Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. on Total Soccer Show. It's back, baby! This is our weekly deep dive into one of the meatiest topics in the beautiful game. And today, we're focusing our attention on Lionel Andre Messi. If you haven't heard the news, the man who might be the greatest player of all time has arrived in Florida. And after scoring 10 goals in seven games in the League's Cup, he now fulfills the destiny we all knew he would by earning a place in the US Open Cup final. Yes, he is the US Open Cup prince that was promised everybody. Good news, he's made it. The Argentine will make his Major League Soccer debut proper this coming weekend, where he'll be tasked with lifting into Miami from the very bottom of the Eastern Conference. On this show, we're looking at Messi's impact so far, the changes he's brought on and off the field, and the change his arrival may bring to the sport in North America. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, wearing his number 10 shirt in pink and black. Is that right, Taylor? Taylor Rockwell, hello. Uh, I haven't been sent that yet. I'm still waiting for that to arrive. But when it does, I will definitely wear it because I love me a pink jersey and I'm excited to get to talk about Lionel Messi. As am I. Can I just say, uh, I'm going to interject already. I'm in I'm in the southwest of England, in Cornwall, like the very, the, where the pirates came from, the very tip of uh, the Florida England. of England. The Florida of England, you're quite right. Um, and yesterday on my travels, I saw uh, two children in messy into Miami jerseys and um, a Saudi Ronaldo shirt within the same vicinity. What are the chances, huh? Huh? Crazy. G- genuinely, you saw two, two Inter Miami shirts. Yeah, yeah. M- mine has been in no, pre-order for Graham, four weeks. Where's mine? I misspoke. They were full kit. These kids were full kit. They had shorts. Yeah. Nah. Uh, Th- that is yeah, not fascinating. <laughs> I- I'm still... Ryan, you said where the pirates come from. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> uh, so I'm at, I'm literally in a place called Penzance, where you may uh-huh. recognize the pirates ah, yes. of Penzance. Okay, now I'm with you. Now I'm with you. Uh, okay. And everyone down here talks like this, and they sound like pirates. <laughs> they have peg legs and parrots. Yeah, that's okay, right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Everyone have, loves uh, like DVDs down there. <laughs> colorful birds hold crackers on people's shoulders, etc., and so on. Uh, Graham Rudman, he just heard his voice. Also joining us, Joe Lowry, of course. Hello, Joe. How are you? Uh, any pirate um, anecdotes for us? I don't think so, other than I toss out a different potential TSS reunion slash live show destination every once in a while. I think Cornwall has now skyrocketed to the top of that list, just so I can hear Ryan Bailey do more impressions of people that live in Cornwall and see how irritated that makes everybody. (laughs) Yeah, that that shtick will wear thin quickly, I assure you, Joe, but I appreciate the gesture all the same. Um, Let's get to the subject on hand here. Lionel Messi, Graham, Mm. he being good for into miami i think is an understatement yeah. is it not yeah so this seems like a ridiculous thing to say but i have been surprised at just how good messi has been since joining inter miami i expected that he would get to this level pretty quickly of course but for him to be 
pretty much a one-man match winner. I won't go as far as say as a one-man team, and we'll come on to that a little bit later because Inter Miami have done some other stuff that has contributed to this pretty dramatic uptick in form. But for him to be Lionel Messi from the very first game has been pretty remarkable. And there's been a moment of magic in, in almost every match that he's played. Even last night in the in the US Open Cup when Messi didn't score against Cincinnati, he contributes a, a fantastic free, free kick assist for Leo Campagna to make it 2-1. And then deep into stoppage time, there's, there's another assist, another brilliant assist for, for the equaliser. Same player scores that goal, Leo Campagna. Um, he has completely changed the landscape for Inter Miami, not just in an off-the-field way, but as a football team. And that has been the thing that has been that's been most incredible in my mind. Yeah. And Taylor, I suppose we can't discount the fact that I saw two people wearing Messi into Miami shirts yesterday, basically in the middle of nowhere. Uh, the 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 reach that he's having for this team and for MLS internationally can't be understated as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that's that that is definitely a messy factor combined with the Miami factor. I think when people think of the United States abroad. I think it's like New York, Los Angeles, and then probably Miami, and weirdly Kentucky because of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, but I, I think Miami's slightly more glamorous than maybe KFC, uh, and and so I think you combine those two, and you are going to get that that global appeal. I agree with Graham though. Like like I've seen the kind of jokes that increasingly seem like they're less jokey and more serious about like is this scripted? How is this happening? How is he this good? And I really. The easy answer is, like, MLS just isn't very good, and I don't think that's it. It just seems to be the impact, like, he has had, the importance he has. Maybe it overalls opponents at times, but I also think we're seeing Messi just enjoying playing soccer yeah. again, and maybe we haven't seen that in a long time. And a, a happy Messi with his buddies around him in Miami seems to be a very happy and very good Messi. It is wild. And Grim, the way you let us in, I think, was perfect, right? This idea that he's he's obviously been great, and that was expected. But how great he's been has been a surprise. Like, it is so... I don't know what the statistical probability of this is, but to go and win eight games in a row, I guess there's some extra time and penalty shootouts there, but basically to win eight consecutive games, which is what Miami has done since Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets stepped on the field for them against Cruz Azul and Leagues Cup, like, that doesn't happen. Like, that doesn't happen in a region, and in a league specifically in Major League Soccer, even though he still is yet to play a game in MLS, that'll come this weekend against the New York Red Bulls, a, a, an area that's designed for parity. Like, it is designed. MLS has a salary cap. We'll talk more about that later when we look forward. But, like, at Major League Soccer, and, and because of MLS's influence into other competitions, this is designed to have everybody have a chance against everybody. So, yeah, City can go and, and have eight games unbeaten. PSG, not this year, but PSG can go and, and win eight games in a row. But it doesn't really happen so much here in North America and specifically in the United yeah. States. For Miami to be on the run that they're on, where basically every game between now and whenever their season ends, whether that includes the playoffs or not, is a must-win game. Like, their margins are so thin to get to the postseason. And in some respects, this will still be a failure, everything that's happened, if they don't get to the postseason, at least from a sporting perspective. Every game's a must-win. And for Messi to be coming out and doing what he's doing, 10 goals, Ryan, you mentioned it in League's Cup. I mentioned this stat earlier in the week. 25 shots, according to Elliot McKinley, who does a ton of good work for American Soccer Analysis, is a great follow on Twitter for any MLS fans listening to this. The probability of an average player scoring goals at the rate that Messi did in League's Cup was 0.042%. Less than 1%. And like less than half of 1%. It is mind-boggling what Messi has done. And the spectacle of it all has been just unreal. Yeah. 
it has become like this sort of science experiment whereby Inter Miami were the worst team. And if you look at the Eastern Conference table right now, as you say, Joe, he has technically hasn't played an MLS match. He's been playing in Leagues mm. Cup and in the US Open Cup. Inter Miami are still bottom of the Eastern Conference. So it's, it has become this experiment of how many games is there to go of the regular season, Joe? Like 10 or 12? Some, 10 or 11. Yeah, it depends on the team. Yeah. Yeah, so, of course, right. Sure, but I'm, I'm around the, 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 the right kind of ballpark, yes, yeah, right? Ten, yeah, ten. Yeah. So there's roughly 10 fixtures left of the regular season. Let's see if you can add a Lionel Messi, and yes, there are other things that have happened. Let's see if you can add a Lionel Messi to the worst team in the league, and if can they can they win the title? I saw someone on or heard someone on another podcast talking about putting a bet on Messi to finish as the the Golden Boot winner in MLS this season. Hani Mukhtar, I think, is leading that with thir- either twelve or thirteen goals right now. Messi obviously is on zero. Can he score? You would assume Mukhtar would get maybe three or four more, or maybe even as many as five. Can Messi get to like 16, 17, 18 in 10 games at his current rate? Yes. And that's where the the experiment (laughs) aspect of things comes in. I think uh, checking the standings, I think Miami have the most games still to play. I think they've only played 22. Most other teams have played 24, 25. So if they play those like two in hand, they are closer to the pack. They will likely leapfrog Toronto, for example. But they are still, they win both of those. They're on 24 at that point. They're still eight behind, say, Chicago, who are in ninth right now. But that does close the gap a little bit. And then I do think once you get those two games, I think they're likely to just keep on picking up points. I do think it puts them into a position where they are far more likely to string together a a series of wins and a couple draws than maybe a few of the teams that they need to leapfrog. Yeah, and some of the goals that he scored as well in that time, it's not just been tap-ins or there have been a few kind of defensive calamities particularly the the goal scored against Atlanta United where Sergio Busquets just has like the entire pitch to play a pass over the top and I, and I don't think Andre Blake had a very good game for Philadelphia in the, the League's Cup semi-final either but some of the goals have been ridiculous I mean the free kick winner off the bench against Cruz Azul in his first match will take some beating as a messy moment because it, it genuinely felt Unreal. It felt like, I, th- I think I've mentioned this on, on, on the show before, but Alan Shearer's testimonial for Newcastle a long, long time ago before he'd even heard of, of Harry Kane. Um, he doesn't play in that game. He's injured. And then in stoppage time, a very dubious penalty is given. And off the bench comes Alan Shearer, who just so happens to be wearing his Newcastle United shirt underneath his tracksuit. And he comes on and he scores the, winner, the winning penalty. And, and that's him for as a, as, a, as, a, as a Newcastle player. It was quite clearly scripted. I'm not saying the Cruzazil moment is scripted at all. That's not what I'm saying. But it felt very much scripted where Messi comes off the bench. It's level. It's stoppage time. It's a free kick. It's not like a messy, like a, like a like a scrappy goal in, in in the penalty box. It's a free kick, so you have the build up, you have the anticipation, and then he sticks it in the top corner. And that goal was viewed, I believe, something like two hundred million times hmm. on Twitter. That is the sort of thing that MLS is getting from from Messi. And there's been other moments like the the Nashville goal in the Leeds Cup final was also so ridiculous because of the number of players that Nashville are sending towards him. As I mentioned, there has been some goals he scored on Eagle Joe. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's it's the wall that Nashville creates around him, but then the fact that Walker Zimmerman, as Messi's driving towards him, gets a touch on the ball. Like, he tries to poke the ball away, and technically does, but Messi reacts so quickly, and this is one of the things that makes Messi so special, and this isn't new. This has been him forever. But it's his ability to control the ball as it comes into him and to take such tight, controlled touches. Messi basically takes Zimmerman's toe poke, Zimmerman's touch on the ball, and just morphs it into one of his own touches, and then barely cocks back and shoots with his left foot from outside the box around a wall or through a wall or whatever of like four or five other Nashville players, Graham. As you said, 
just just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, it's like something. It was like something out of I don't know Scott Pilgrim versus the World, where Nashville were like, "We'll send Walker Zimmerman, we'll send Meyer, we'll send Lovitz, we'll send all these defenders," and like Messi just batting them away and then sticks it in the top corner. And there's a there's a video from a fan behind the goal who catches that moment on his phone. If you haven't seen that already, look for it. It is ridiculous. It doesn't look real, and and that's kind of my, one of my main takeaways from Messi and MLS. Is it does yeah. it still feels kind of surreal and and like it's not actually happening. It's very fun indeed. Graham, you mentioned the goal scorer conversation, the uh, golden boot conversation. I think, Joe, we also spoke on uh, our MLS uh, chat about mm-hmm. uh, MLS Cup favourites, Inter Miami being third favourite at the moment, which seems pretty wild. I mean, they've gone from dead last, well, they're still dead last in the Eastern Conference, to defeating the top team in MLS to get to the Open Cup final. It's is there a point where other teams figure him out figure this team out a little bit where they yeah. throw they are able to stop him with various means i think so i think we are are about as close to it as it gets and to the point where if i could short miami winning mls cup i would uh, it's not that i i don't think they're going to do some crazy stuff between <laughs> now and the end of the year but i man getting to the playoffs is going to be a hurdle it's not impossible like a lot of us thought it would be before all this stuff went down but it's not going to be easy because ryan you mentioned it like other teams are sort of starting to figure this out. FC Dallas played them to a 4-4 game in League's Cup in the knockout rounds. And the way that they went at Miami was different than really what anybody else has done. They tried to go toe-to-toe. Like they pressed Miami. They pressed high. They put Alan Velasco, their number 10, either on Busquets or, or using his cover shadow to block Busquets in Miami's buildup. And they made it really difficult for, for Miami to create. And when Miami did create chances and push high up the field, then Dallas was lightning quick going the other way. And Kamungo scored a, a goal in that game. And they get a couple of other really nice goals, FC Dallas, in that match before losing in penalty kicks, showing that this Miami team is, is not unstoppable. And then Nashville in League's Cup final, they play a very disciplined defensive shape, 4-4-2, smart pressure on Busquets, Annabelle Godoy and Dax McCarty peeking over their shoulder every half second, it felt like, to figure out where Leo Messi was standing. And Messi was quiet in that game. He didn't have a key pass. He didn't have a through ball. He wasn't creating any chances. His goal is a banger. But other than that moment, he didn't do much. And then in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal on Wednesday against FC Cincinnati, since he were the better team in that game, Messi was quiet once again. And he finally, later in the match, starts to get a little bit of separation and play those balls into the box for Leo Campana that Graham talked about. But Messi was quiet. Busquets, I thought, was really quiet. Since he had the better chances and really should be kicking themselves that they couldn't get that result because they were the better team I'm not really sure it was particularly close. So you have a, a a strong game plan. You pay attention to Busquets. You pay attention to Messi. You will never stop them, but you can slow them down. And we're seeing MLS teams, good ones, certainly, but we're seeing MLS teams start to have some success slowing into Miami down and throwing a few punches back at them. Joe, you obviously know more than I do about this. My 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 question in response to that is like, you talk about Dallas pressing Miami, making life difficult. Miami still scored four goals there. Yep. And and last night, they still scored three against Cincinnati and uh, like in a comeback fashion. So it feels to me like those approaches aren't as easily replicated or aren't necessarily causing that level of frustration for Miami as, say, what Nashville were doing. And so I feel like we'll see teams, my assumption is that we'll see teams try to be just much more defensive and compact against them. And then in my mind, that just invites more Lionel Messi dribbling through four players and scoring or hitting a free kick that he shouldn't be able to hit. Like, I, I still, I hear what you're saying. I just still see, like, even where there are moments where there are cracks, those cracks are then sort of, I guess, cemented over in my mind by well, Little Messi doing individual things. And that's why I said you can slow him down, but you can't stop him, right? And I know three goals doesn't sound like you slowed Inter-Miami and Messi down, 
I think if folks go through and watch that game and they watch the first 67 minutes of that game, they will see how dire Inter Miami really were. Like they were, they were not playing particularly good soccer. Tata Martino changed the shape. It was more of a, a, well, it was a back three for them in the opening stages. Sometimes even a diamond in midfield with Leo Campana just up top kind of by himself. Miami did not play well for the vast majority of this match, but they still get goals because Leo Messi finds ridiculous passes and because Cincinnati did not kill off the game well. So that's one side of this. The other side is, I would loop how Nashville and Cincy defended Miami into the same bucket or into a more similar bucket than uh, Miami, and, excuse me, than Cincinnati and Dallas. Even though Cincy give up three goals and Dallas give up four, Nashville only give up one. Cincinnati ended with 41% possession against Miami. Like they pressed a little bit, but it was much more low and mid block if you go back and watch that game. So they just happened to run into a, an Argentine named Leo Messi and he does crazy stuff and he will do that to everyone whenever he's on the field, but we are starting to see different approaches have some genuine success at slowing down, if not stopping, this Miami team. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at the accoutrement that Inter Miami have provided for Messi's success and much more back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. We are talking Leo Messi. Now, Graham, in the first part of this show, we talked about how his friends have been brought along for the ride to a certain extent. And Messi's the kind of player who, when he's grumpy and unhappy... He, he wears it. You could see it. But yeah. we're not seeing that at the moment. He's very, you can clearly see he's having a lovely old time in Florida at the moment. And maybe because his family situation is very good there. His family seem very happy there. But also, he's got some known quantities with him from a technical perspective. Obviously, he's got Tata Martina coming in. He's got Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba. They are building around him in a way that a, a, a superstar coming to MLS hasn't had that provided for them previously. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think that has been an, an impressive aspect of what Inter Miami have have done since signing Messi. Is yes, signing a couple of his mates, so Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets. I think th- Sergio Busquets, Busque- Busquets, excuse me. Um, it's not like I've been saying that name for twenty years. You would think I would have nailed it by now. He has <laughs> been particularly impressive in the the games that I have watched anyway um he might he maybe doesn't have the mobility and physicality to break up opposition moves like he used to but in possession is where a lot of MLS teams have had trouble against him I mentioned that goal against Atlanta United that's maybe an extreme example where he's just given so much space on in possession but then against Philly as well um teams have paid for for standing off him giving him too much time to play forward and then you have Jordi Alba who I had kind of forgotten how much of a relationship existed between Jordi Alba and Messi. Obviously, we haven't seen them play together for for two or three seasons. But so many times for Barcelona, I watched Alba surge down the left and then set up Messi for for a goal. 
in some way. And, and Jordi Alba is actually better at pulling the strings than I think most people give him credit for. So even if you manage to stop Inter-Miami from playing through the middle, you've got to watch out for what Jordi Alba can do with the ball on, on, on the left side as well. And then you add in some of the youngsters that Inter-Miami have, have, have signed as, yeah. as well. Diego Gomez in the midfield unit. So I mentioned there that Sergio Busquets maybe doesn't have the physicality that he had a few years ago. Well, now he's got this young guy, Diego Gomez, alongside him in the midfield to do a lot of the, the leg work. And in Miami, I've also signed Facundo F. Farias, not a player that I I don't think I've seen him play yet. He's a winger. And then centre-back, excuse me, Thomas Avias as, as well. So in the past, Inter Miami have kind of just thrown players together and hoped that they would gel without any real thought of a coherent approach or framework. But now you have Tatar Martino as the head coach here and you look at his Atlanta United team and they played a very kind of high-intensity, high-energy game. Inter Miami, Inter Miami have hired him. They've signed three legitimate legends, but who are also veterans and might not be able to play the way that Tatar Martino wants if he just left them to it. And they've thought to themselves, okay, how can we get the players around them to harness them? And for my money, they've they've went out and got those yeah. players. So it's been pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think in, in my mind, like everything Graham said is dead on retweet. Uh, but I think the retweet. addition of Tata Martino is so, so important to this one. Uh, obviously, he has MLS experience, MLS pedigree. He's familiar with the league. The, the best way I can explain why I think he's so significant is just that I think many coaches would be just completely overawed by the prospect of managing Lionel Messi. Uh, and even somebody like Phil Neville, who has more experience and is more of a name, I can see him having the strategy of get the ball to Messi and then we'll see what happens. And I feel like Tata at least understands that we have to understand how to get the ball to Messi. <laughs> like, and that, that would be the difference to me, that I think he knows how best to utilize Lionel Messi, but also utilize the players around Messi so that Messi gets the ball in good opportunities, good situations, but then also those players create on their own. I think the relationship from Barcelona, I think the relationship from when they work together with Argentina is just so critical to everything that's happened here. With that said, I have a question for Joe. Joe, I read your piece uh, from back before the League's Cup when Messi had been announced. I think Busquets had been announced, but maybe Jordi Alba had not. And you went through why Miami had struggled uh, and how they've kind of uh, developed or what they could look like in their development, what they could look like since then. How have they sort of uh, developed from what you thought versus where they are now? Okay, so I have no recollection of writing that piece. I'm sure that I did. <laughs> what? When? When was this? What was this? Uh, I think it was in June, I believe. Here, here's like here's an example. You talked about like why Miami have struggled to create. I'm not gonna lie. I also thought you were frozen for a minute, so I was concerned that maybe, just maybe, uh, you hadn't even heard the question. Um, like you talked about, I think Leonardo Campagna and Jose Martinez. Uh, both rely on service to score goals right. without a capable okay. playmaker or even stable ball progressors like Gre uh, Gregory and Mota. They have seven goals and been starved for touches. I'm assuming that has changed significantly I'm since Busquets, Alba, and Messi arrived. I am really enjoying how Taylor is reading Joe's own article to yeah. him as if he's <laughs> hearing this for the first time. This must have been one of the ones, Joe, that you just put into chat GBT. On, on yeah, must have been tired I mean, I do that every other like, week. It like, must have been a chat GBT week. It's got to be. I am now slightly nervous that I just thought it was Joe. I'm going to go back and look. No, it's Joe Lowry, June 29th, 2023. Joe, wow, you, you are so rock and roll. You're like, I don't even remember writing that one. Like, it's, like you're that 70s rock star. You're so cool. Don't remember writing my nerdy soccer article, how rock and roll of me. All right, yes. Even I was just curious about the 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 piece and like when that was because I still don't remember writing it but oh, I boy. think what I, what I said there 
hold up, I guess. I'm going to guess that that was in the middle of doing your Women's World Cup research. And so and so maybe you were just slammed on all fronts. I feel like Could you be. wrote that while talking on this show. Miami, yeah. Miami very intentionally <laughs> left their initial roster build this year without a number 10. Because they were hoping that they were going to win the lottery. And, and, and more than hoping, they, they had positioned themselves to try and win the lottery. Like they had, they bought up a lot of tickets and they spent a lot of time trying to find the right one. But there was an office syndicate. Yeah, there was a whole a, thing, a, a, right? A big book of them between, you know, hundreds of people, yeah. Jorge Mas hiding in elevator chutes in Barcelona. There's all this stuff, right? But they won the lottery with Messi and they finally had a playmaker. Joseph Martinez and Leo Campana, as you said there, Taylor, like the, as you slash I said, I guess, they, they are strikers <laughs> that rely on service. It's no coincidence that Campana's two goals in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal against Cincinnati were headers, right? He is a striker that wants to be in the box. Joseph Martinez is a striker that wants to be in the box and and allow others to do the hard stuff and then finish plays off, which is actually maybe the hardest part of all. But they need service. And without Messi, and when they let Pozuelo walk, they needed a number 10. They didn't have that. That's a huge reason of why they were so bad. The other part is their overall talent level was just so low, partially because they didn't have a number 10 in a major league soccer still to this day, having a number 10 and a good goalkeeper is maybe the quickest path to success or at least to stability and relevance. But they didn't have a number 10 and they also didn't have their two starting defensive midfielders. Like they were missing an entire midfield in John Mota and Gregory because both of those players went down with injuries very early on in the season. And we just saw Mota come back against Cincinnati and I don't think he was very good, frankly. I thought you could see a lot of the rust there. But they were missing three starting players, high level players compared to the rest of their squad. And all of a sudden, like, DeAndre Yedlin was their best player or Joseph Martinez just begging to get the ball on his foot was was the best player. It was an incomplete roster that had also been decimated by injuries to make it even more incomplete. So finally, players started to get healthy. You infuse more talent than any MLS team has ever infused in a single transfer window into a squad, and you're cooking with gas. And you get Tata Martino, a coach that I think in his past, this isn't a hot take, I don't have anything against Phil Neville, has done a better job getting something out of a team or has at least controlled bigger locker rooms than Phil Neville has. You get Tarto Martino in it, and maybe that's the cherry on top, right? So everything has changed. There's a clear style now. They know how they want to play, even if they're still not executing at the level that I think maybe they're capable of, especially with someone like Facundo Farias, who made his Miami debut against Cincinnati, and I thought wasn't perfect. Again, 20-year-old Argentine attacker can play centrally, can play wide, still raw, but I thought you could see immediately the quality that he brings to a team that still needs quality to surround Messi. They need Farias to hit. They need Robert Taylor to perform like the Robert Taylor we saw in League's Cup. They're not a perfect team right now. But yeah, they got better like in the in the blink of an eye, in the blink of two weeks, whatever it was during this transfer window, because they had been just that dire leading into this, uh, into this transition. So it, it's hard to imagine, guys, but it feels like the on-field contributions that Messi's had are even eclipsed by the off-field impact that he's been having so far in his MLS reign. I mean, just as I mentioned anecdotally, seeing MLS shirts in the wild here in the UK, that generally doesn't happen. So like that that's quite incredible in itself. Joe, we talked on uh, earlier in this week about the Apple TV deal and how yeah. they've doubled their subscription since his arrival. It's Taylor, it is quite incredible. I wonder, relative, relatively speaking, I don't think he could have had the same impact if he'd gone to Saudi Arabia as he has done in MLS in terms of the, the global footprint, in terms of what he's bringing to the league, in terms of the interest he's generating in the sport for maybe even non-soccer fans as well. Yeah, with the caveat that our perspective is very much on North America and sure. like European football, I, I would agree with that entirely. I was also chuckling because... 
I love that you're totally right to call it Messi's MLS reign, and yet he still hasn't played a game in Major League Soccer. <laughs> that is such a confusing thing, but totally accurate. And it is wild, again, to see how successful successfully this has gone so far, but how big of an impact it has had. I have people texting me about getting tickets, and if there are ways to get tickets, but also people are just going to games. I had a friend drive, I think, three hours uh, to go to Cincinnati last night to be at that game. There's no way that FC Cincinnati are selling out a U.S. Open Cup uh, semifinal, even though they probably should because it's an important competition. But when you get Lionel Messi there, they're going to. I think that level of interest, that level of reaction, it's not surprising, but also surprising simultaneously. I keep thinking about the multiverse in which Messi misses that free kick to start, and then he's had like a ho-hum time in, in MLS so far, or with Miami so far. And then I think about the other multiverse where he goes to Saudi Arabia, and it's Neymar in Miami, and that's an even weirder one to think about and how that would have gone. So I feel like right now we're living in the best possible timeline, which is mm. a happy place to be. Another another multiverse where in the first game someone puts a reducer on him and he's out for two months. That's pretty rough as well, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Which, like, that's, I mean, not the reducer part, but that's what happens with Beckham, right? He shows up injured and everyone's expecting him to be this huge difference maker. He's this world-class footballer. It's going to be head and shoulders above everybody and they play him out of position while yeah. injured and has a very minimal impact. We've seen that not go well. We've seen the Zlatan goal and then sort of he has up and down along the way but I, I feel like with Messi it's just been like every game I expect him to do something ridiculous somehow yeah, Beckham was like arguing with fans and stuff wasn't he like there was a period when he was like very unpopular in MLS obviously yeah. it finishes well for him with a couple of MLS cups but there was a time when it, it didn't feel like it was going to pan out that way it doesn't I don't think that is going to happen with with Messi he's on a different level why why is that though Graham do you think is it just because of the level of his game is it because of the personality has or maybe the lack thereof? I, I, I don't think it's the uh, personality. He held a press conference like uh, two weeks ago. I think that was the first time he had he had spoken. Um, and I know he spoke to ESPN. I saw a Miami Herald interview. He was talking about the Miami traffic and how he likes to drive through it. Um, I have seen a video of Messi driving through a red light. So that maybe tells you Most something about how he is approaching. Ground. As a monster truck, yeah, as part of his contract, he got a Good. cut of the Apple TV deal. He got some revenue share from Adidas, and he got Gravedigger as part of his contract. Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm not sure his personality. I honestly think we spoke about this when he signed for uh, for Inter Miami with Beckham. Very different sort of player. Obviously, had the, the the commercial profile, had the celebrity status. But if you watch Beckham during a 90 minute match, sure, he scored good free kicks. Um, Quite a, quite a few times over the course of his career but if you watched any standard 90 minutes performance from him it would be a pretty diagonal pass you know he would get up the right wing he obviously played centrally for LA Galaxy he'd keep things going in, in, in midfield um, with Messi we're talking about very different viral social media moments and actually that's one of the things that I think MLS has been able to um weaponize if that's the right word more than any other league would have been able to with Lionel Messi is the fact that they don't geotag their social yep. media clips so you're getting huge numbers on these social media clips and that's that's one of the reasons Ryan why I think you're talking about those kids in Cornwall wearing those kits well when I go to Sterling Albion games I go early to talk to the guys that I sit with about certain things and over the course of a season they're actually quite interested in MLS one of the guys goes to Vancouver Whitecat games um, quite regularly or twice or three times a season so over the course of a standard season they will mention an mls thing like two or three times at the moment it's like every week and i think that is directly linked to how easy it has been for them to access those messy moments on social media i think that is a big factor 
Yeah. Um, sidebar, Graham, what are these certain things you're talking to your uh, fellow fans at Sterling Albion about? It sounds That sounded cryptic. Just football. What else do okay. you speak? When you're at the football, all you talk about is football. football you don't talk about anything. Football, football, football. Hatred, all that kind of, of stuff. Of course. Yeah, Those are the, the key pies. things. I think right. uh, Graham has done a good job of talking about like the present situation and why there's been such an impact. I would add, like I think about when Messi to my mind, is like first breaking through, first becoming the name at Barcelona. And so many of the people I know who supported Barcelona then loved Lionel Messi, loved Lionel Messi, and that was part of it. But that's also back before they have a shirt sponsor. Then they give the shirt sponsor to UNICEF, and there's the Mesquiun Club, and there's this whole idea that while everyone else is spending money and they're only about commercial profits and being taken over by giant uh, nation states, Barcelona are doing it the right way, and they're winning the Champions League, and they have all these academy players, and La Masia, and on top of that, Lionel Messi is a guy who, like, doesn't, despite how much spotlight he gets, doesn't really seem to want the spotlight, and I think he's one of those people that, like, everyone knows, and yet I feel like very few people could tell you what he actually sounds like, and even though he himself has had plenty of drama and has been convicted of tax fraud, like, they they that doesn't really stick to him in the way that I think players who seem to want the spotlight, cough, cough, Ronaldo, th- there is more negativity about Ronaldo for very obvious reasons, but also because I think Messi seems to like the narrative has been for so long. Like all he wants to do is like hang out with his family and play with his dog. And even before he had kids, he would go to like his brother's house after training and his, uh, his sister-in-law would make them lunch. And then they would just hang out as a family. Like the narrative has always been so positive about him. I feel like he he gets out of the Barcelona situation relatively unscathed, and even the move to PSG is sort of discussed on our show as, like, he had to leave Barcelona. They literally couldn't afford him. They couldn't register him. It's why he doesn't go back there. And so he's the PSG debacle, even. I feel like it's, it's, it's seen much more as, like, it's Neymar doing Neymar things. It's Mbappe being Mbappe. And Messi, poor Messi, is just stuck in this situation. And so I, I feel like he comes to MLS as a more or less beloved figure who's just yeah. won the World Cup. And, and I, I can't really think of a player. Like Beckham shows up with a movie being named after him, and I still say I can't think of a person who has that much almost like universal goodwill. You will struggle to find somebody who actively dislikes Little Messi. Those that do, I feel like, oftentimes have Cristiano Ronaldo as an avatar. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a piece by Brian Phillips um, for The Ringer, which I think was published maybe a, a month ago, and reading that piece, it, it it finally made sense why Messi is in Miami and why he's having such a good time in Miami. So if he goes back to Barcelona this summer, the pressure, even for someone like Lionel Messi, for him to achieve what he achieved in his first uh, stint at Barcelona, to be the same player again for Barcelona, for a team that, keep in mind, Barcelona have completely rebuilt, essentially, since he was there. So he's coming into a new environment, not an environment that he knows. That would have been crushing pressure. He's coming off the back of a World Cup playing for Argentina where for 15 years he's had pressure to deliver the biggest prize in international soccer. At PSG, the pre- the pressure was win the Champions League or you'll be deemed a failure. And he's come to MLS where he doesn't have anything to prove and everyone in those stadiums is, is just kind of delighted to see him and delighted to see him do messy things. And it feels like he has been liberated you talked about it at the top of the show there Ryan and and it's a little bit of a cliche but with Messi it is true he's he's playing with a smile on his face he's celebrating goals by imitating Marvel superheroes like when have we ever seen anything like that from him before it has honestly been a joy to watch so far 
Uh, everyone is uh, overjoyed, Graham, except for the fans booing him, the rival fans, which uh, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind that because deep down, deep down, they're still enjoying themselves too, right? Oh, you yeah. know, like Philly fans. Yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. This is a crazy thing. National fans, whatever, right? All, all the different teams who have done it so far. I have no issue with teams doing that because, like, yeah, you want to be the first to take down Messi, right? You want to be the first to put Inter Miami back in their place and say, like, no, you're not just going to walk all over us. And so. I don't think I would go and boo Leo Messi. I'm not a big booer in, in any context. Certainly not, not, not usually not at sporting events either. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think I think they're still having a ball deep down. You yeah. you can't really position yourself as a Messi hater when you've paid six hundred dollars for the ticket to the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I, man, I, I say boo away. I, like, I, I think there is a line between like being deliberately jerks like like the red army the the richmond supporters here will boo opposition players throughout the game they will heckle them when they take corners right in front of the red army but after the game if the players come over it's applause it's hugs it's nice words i think it can be that same thing i think you don't want to create a friendly oh we can't wait to see you score on our team atmosphere Mm -hmm. but you can create a somewhat hostile atmosphere that then at the end of the game you give him an applause or maybe before the game he gets an applause he gets a cheer but then he is an opponent lest we forget so I, I have zero issue with with him being booed, and I'm sure he's used to it. So maybe it brings an even more competitive spirit out of, out of him, if that's even possible. Makes it feel just like PSG, baby. That's yeah, all it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the booing's fine. I think having respect for your opponent is completely valid as well. I'm not so sure, Taylor. I don't know if you saw the picture from the Na- uh, the game at Nashville. The fan who has a Nashville shirt with Messi on the back. Yeah, that's uh, that's no good. That, is there maybe another Messi uh-huh. in the, in the, in that, the youth that team? That made my whole body cringe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if it had been like Messi 207, yeah. maybe that's go. a youth I'm team player. I guess yeah. it, I, I, the, the, the rationale behind buying that shirt, and I apologize if you're a listener person with that shirt, if you are, get in touch. But is it like, I've paid $1,000 for the ticket. This is just a little extra thing. What's another 100 bucks on a shirt that I could wear and enjoy that day? Maybe it's that. Maybe that's just the vibe. To, maybe they're just trying to manifest it, <laughs> like will it into existence. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Miami won't be able to afford him after this season. Let's get him onto our team. Here's to hoping. All right, well, let's take another quick pause. And when we come back, we're going to look forward at the legacy that Messi may leave on MLS. Back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back. Uh, Joe, Inter Miami are in an interesting position here because at the moment, their identity is Leo Messi. They have other options for identities. Uh, in Fort Lauderdale's favourite team, Beckham and so on. <laughs> but what happens when he is no longer there in, in a season or two's time? Like, how, how, does, how does that team move on with their lashings of silverware or whatever if they've picked up at that point? I think Miami will try to replace Messi with not another Messi, but they will try to maintain as much of this momentum as possible, right? The question you asked, Ryan, I think is is probably the most interesting one. Now, it's not the most fun one. I think we've talked about the fun stuff already. Messi doing crazy stuff, scoring goals. Uh, I didn't mention this, but he gives the captain's armband back to DeAndre Yedlin before they lift the League's Cup trophy, which is like a crazy <clears throat> thing and, and so cool and I think genuinely a, a great thing for Messi to have done. Yedlin's going, no, 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 like, you keep it. He says, no, 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 multiple times, and Messi just insists and, and puts it on his arm. It's an awesome moment. Like, that's the fun stuff. But I'm not really sure for MLS, maybe for Miami it is the most important stuff, but for MLS, at least when we zoom out, that it is the most important thing. I think the most important stuff is what happens next, right? And I don't want to wish this time away. I don't want to speed through it. But for MLS and, and each team in this league, in some ways, what the next phase of Major League Soccer looks like overlapping with this current Messi era, but one that will continue on much longer than Leo Messi will be around and still playing professional soccer in the United States. That's crucial. And Miami, to start there, and then maybe we can zoom out, and I want to hear what everybody's got to say on, on what is next for Major League Soccer. But for Miami, I think they want to keep this momentum, right? They have positioned themselves now by getting Messi and going out and spending, I don't know, $15, 20000000 million on young South American talent, you know, Diego Gomez, Thomas Aviles, Facundo Farias, Good players, Farias looks like the best one of the bunch to me right now, but good players, they've spent that money to go and, and, and continue to try and bring in players that want to be in Miami because that will always be a team where Lionel Messi played. And it's hard for me to quantify how much that matters, but I do think it matters. I think Miami, through doing this, have put themselves in a spot where they will have better access and better chances to get some of the top young talent coming from South America and to continue being a destination that European stars yeah. want to come to. Like Miami had real interest in bringing in, I don't, I don't honestly don't know the specific names, but bringing in players that we would all recognize back when they first launched. And things kind of took a turn for them for a few different reasons. But now when Messi is gone, they're going to still have a competitive squad 
They've got Chris Henderson in place, an executive that knows Major League Soccer. I don't know how long Tata Martino will be around. Maybe he'll fade out as Messi fades out. Who knows what that's going to look like. But I think Miami's fortunes have certainly changed for the better, not just right now. That's the coldest take of all time. But I think they will have changed for the better after even this whole Messi mania stuff is over. Yeah, I, I think two things there. Uh, I, I agree with 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 Joe. And to spin off of that, one thing I've seen, I don't really like I certainly cannot comment on this, but I will mention it here. I've seen multiple multiple people talk about how Miami is such an important city to South America and Argentina, especially. Uh, and the idea that like Miami is a cultural hub of sorts. And so I think there will continue to be a ton of love for the city of Miami. But I think Messi going there certainly then turns some heads and gives them more attention, but it also makes them legit in some ways. And think about Miami before Messi arrives, and it's contract scandals. They're not very good. They're playing in a mo- like a modular stadium uh, outside of Miami. Like it's, it's not good. It's not stable. It doesn't seem like they're well run. Messi shows up. Now they're winning these games. Everybody's interested. Everybody's on board. And I do think even when he leaves – I think there's going to be fewer eyes on Miami and on the league in general, but I think it it does give a sort of lasting significance to Inter Miami that I think they are well positioned to capitalize on. That's point one. The second point that goes off of that is I think they're also well positioned because this is me editorializing. This is me preparing the fire truck of lawyers. I still think that there are some uh maybe curious accounting that has happened that is allowing Miami to do what they're doing i agree with joe i think rules will change i think purse strings will be loosened but if there is some level of work being done to make this all happen then inter miami know where the bodies are buried and i kind of feel like you can't really put that cat back in the bag i think they're going to be a team that continues to spend the yankees stay the yankees i think inter miami will aim to stay inter miami and continue to have that profile that pedigree that continues to bring in that young talent, but also that established talent and continues to kind of signify them, solidify them as a very important team in the league. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot more on, on where the bodies are buried, although I wish I did. One, one thing you mentioned there, Taylor, though, that I thought was important is the stadium. The fact that they're still playing in a temporary stadium, that will not be true when Lionel Messi is gone. They will have a new stadium. I mean, Construction stuff takes longer than everybody thinks it does. So I don't. I mean, I don't know that for sure. Oh, does but it? Scheduled. Has it not gone swimmingly? What do you I, mean, I, Joe? It's gone great, Taylor. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to say. It's going great for Miami. Everybody's really happy with this whole process, just like they are in New England and New York City. It's all going great. But Miami will have a new stadium and will be more of a permanent big boy soccer team in the next couple of seasons. And that's another huge thing that should propel them forward within their own market and, and even within the global soccer scene. Yeah, agreed on that. Graham, your thoughts on the potential rule we've discussed the potential subterfuge that's been involved in getting Messi into this league Mm. and we will keep the fire truck away for now but (laughs) do we think that in the next iteration of MLS 3.04.0 wherever we're at this point there's going to be a new set of rules heralded in here for DPs and maybe for the structure of the caps and so on I think there has to be. And the conversation is already starting to, to shift on this with uh, Jim Curtin, of course, the Philadelphia Union head coach, recently making comments uh, in which he says rules are going to change and the training wheels are off was another com- comment from him. He might be jumping the gun a little bit there with, with that uh, uh, assertion. But 
There was an owners meeting in DC around the the All Star game. Jorge Mas is reportedly leading the discussion around a relaxation of roster rules, which might lead lean into uh, Funny Taylor's uh, theory there on 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 the bodies being being buried. But I, I I do agree. It feels like the the purse strings need to be loosened in MLS. It's got to the point where I understand why these rules were in place for a long time, but now it feels like the league is kind of being held back a little bit by these rules. I guess the most straightforward way you could loosen the purse, purse strings is, is simply to permit more DPs. So at the moment, it's 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 three DPs that a, a club can have at any given time. Maybe that gets pushed up to five. So essentially half the team you can have on, on, on a pitch at any time can be designated players. Maybe the salary cap gets raised to, to, to the point that teams can spend a little bit more on not just getting those big name players in but raising the the floor of your of your squad yeah. so that the worst player in your team is 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 better i definitely think that is something that mls should consider to achieve some some real depth because at the moment it feels like while the best players in the league are very good maybe there isn't that depth there compared to to, to other leagues and also the spending is weighted very heavily towards attacking players I, I, I wrote this in a piece for the guardian but there's something like was there like 60 or 70 dps in the league right now and something something like four of them are defenders at the moment and um, so i think that is a good reason why if you if you raise the salary cap then in theory there'll yeah. be a little bit more money funneled towards the defenders the nuclear option would be just to get rid of the whole thing with salary caps and dps and basically allow teams to do spend what it. they want I obviously from a from a it being more simplistic and being kind of the European model, obviously it'd be easier to talk about, but I think it's unlikely. And to be honest, I, I'm not convinced that that is what I would want. Um, yeah. I would get rid of a lot of things like discovery rights, which frankly is just that one's just stupid. That one's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, even Tam and Gam and and things like that, nobody yeah. really understands that. But uh, at a time when it feels like the big European leagues are becoming one horse races. Um, pretty much, pretty soon, excuse me, like being a, a, a re, uh, uh, having parity across the league could be like a real selling point yeah. for MLS, mm-hmm. even more so than it is now. So I do think you want to keep a semblance of, of, of that parity. So I don't know, maybe it's a like a luxury tax system where you can spend big on a player, but there's a tax on that and that gets redistributed around the league. So yes, you can sign a player to get better, but other teams can also get better from that. I don't know. I think there is a way to do it, but simplification of the league rules surely yeah. needs to happen. And certainly we need to allow more money to be spent by clubs. Yeah. The way uh, the Chinese Super about- League did the luxury tax, wasn't it like 50% on players over a certain amount? And it went great for them. So, um, well, <laughs> yeah, just copy what they did. I'm sure it'll yeah. be fine. For they've, they've laid the, br- the blueprint there very much. Taylor, I think an interesting question we've touched on is that of momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's going to be very difficult when we're in a post-Messi MLS to, car- mm-hmm. to, to carry on the momentum of a player who's come in who was a World Cup winner, arguably at the peak of his powers or very near to the, the peak of those powers, who is selling out stadiums in every away game and driving up ticket prices and has become a cultural phenomenon. We can pick up momentum from where we were before Messi, but is are we going to see a drop-off of any kind, do we think, in terms of interest in the league when he's gone? Or that That's the tricky part, isn't it? When Immediately when he leaves, there's going to be a small a vacuum, mm-hmm. it feels like, right? Yeah, so I've thought a lot about this question, and uh, I will say up front that I am uh, conflicted on it. I, I think where I land is that there is so much enthusiasm for Lionel Messi right now that you're getting people who maybe wouldn't otherwise be watching MLS or wouldn't even be watching soccer are paying attention to it because he is such a name. And that is so 
current that it's hard to see past that. But I think as time goes, we get more used to Messi playing in the league. I think it's still going to be a crazy amount of money for every single ticket. I think it's going to be a crazy amount of interest in him. But at least right now, it still feels like such an event, such a crazy thing that Lionel Messi is playing here, that there's such interest, that there's just this like Beatlemania around him, essentially. I do think that level of enthusiasm and energy will fade somewhat. And then I think, so when to the point that when he does leave, it feels less significant than it does right now. If he were to walk away at the end of this season, it feels like it would be this massive drop-off, and who knows what's going to happen next, and does it actually hurt Inter-Miami in the long run? But I think that that, that it's a, a somewhat longer contract does give the league time to figure out how yeah. they want to approach things. It gives them time <clears throat> to change their rules if they want to, and I think it allows teams to kind of benefit from this and see how it's gone and maybe emulate it themselves. So I think... My initial thought was like, oh, it's going to be a disaster and everyone's going to leave and there won't be any money. I I sort of land on, I think, in the end, it will be a net positive, not just because of what he has done in the short term, but because of what could happen in the long term. Yeah, it's going to be a net positive regardless of what happens. But the question for Major League Soccer, and this is, for me, far and away the biggest question about this entire Messi era, is how big of a net positive it is. Taylor, you Mm -hmm. said people are going to come in, they're going to watch Major League Soccer because of Messi, right? I had a friend who doesn't watch soccer outside the World Cup, but texted me yesterday, out of the blue, obviously watching the U.S. Open Cup semifinal, right? Like, this stuff just doesn't happen before. There are probably millions of other people like this guy, right? And so the question for Major League Soccer is, how many of those people can they convert into Major League Soccer fans? That's a huge question in general in business. As you're trying to acquire customers, it's, it's the biggest question for Major League Soccer right now. And Graham, what you talked about with the rules and some adjustments there... In my mind, that's that's one of the biggest ways that Major League Soccer can do it. There needs to be better fan engagement. There needs to be better stuff day-to-day at so many of these clubs, and the bar needs to be raised. But maybe the simplest way that Major League Soccer can try to get more of these folks to stick around is by making the quality of play better. Why on this show do we talk more about the Premier League than we do about Major League Soccer? It's because the Premier League is a better product. It is more entertaining to watch. That's not to say that we all enjoy Like I, I personally enjoy Major League Soccer more but I, my head's not in the sand to the point where I don't realize that the Premier League is miles ahead on quality of Major League Soccer right now. So the question for Major League Soccer is how do they make their product better to encourage encourage more general soccer fans to stick around and watch it? And Graham, you said it. I think they should take the training wheels off. Curtin said it. Bedoya said it. I do not think they should take the wheels off. Parity is valuable. And, and for all the reasons you said, I completely agree with that. Don't become a one-horse race kind of league. There is not a real future, I think, in that for Major League Soccer. But they should let teams spend more money. Go out and sign more Carlos Velas and more Thiago Almadas. Go out and sign more DPs, as you said, Graham. But then it's the second part that you hit on that I think is so good. Like Also, let teams have more players underneath the superstars, which probably does look like raising the salary cap and maybe cutting out some of the the complexities along the way. Like make the next group of players after your DPs just a little bit better. And then the group after that just a little bit better. So yeah, get more Velas, get more Thiago Almadas, but also get more Steve Bukes for LAFC. Good, young, talented attacking players. Go out and get more Miles Robinsons if you're Atlanta United and don't have to deal with, well, do we make him a DP or do we not? If we make him a DP, he's probably, if we have to, he's probably not going to stick around and he's going to go to PSV. And speaking of PSV, this was an unintentional transition. I saw a tweet the other day that I think really works well in this this topic. It was comparing PSV to MLS teams using slightly sketchy salary data, but that's all the salary data we have. So take this with a grain of salt. But I think anecdotally, it does hand up. Do you guys know 
how many, according to Capology, again, slightly sketchy, how many players that PSV have that make over 1 million euros a year. It's honestly not quite as many as I thought it was, but it's nine players. According to Capology, PSV have nine players that make more than a million euros a year. Now, I will have you guys guess on this one. Do you know how many players in Major League Soccer make more than a million dollars? And this we do know because the Players Association releases that information across the whole league. Does anybody want to throw out a number? Six. Uh, <laughs> well, we're talking a lot. Um, 29 teams. Like 30. Oh, okay. great. Five. Good guess, then. It's more. It's more than both of you. It's 112. But that comes out <laughs> right. to... True, I wanted to say 110. You were, so... you were Taylor, congrats, man. You but really, you did really, You were still wrong, but you were really close. <laughs> uh, that averages out to four, just under four $1 million players per MLS team, including designated players. All but six, one other team as a point of comparison, all but six of Bournemouth's players, one of the smallest teams in the Premier League, make more than $1 million. Like, this is where the gap is. It's not that MLS doesn't have top-end talent. Jago Amada can walk into a Champions League team tomorrow if he wants to. European teams want Yakimaki's back. He's really, really good. Edward Loven for St. Louis. Georgi Petrovic's going to Chelsea. And he could end up playing Premier League minutes this season. Lucho Acosta. Like, you can run through the list of players that have either flirted with top-level European teams or are moving there soon. That's not where the gap is. The gap is they need more players that have quality, but maybe aren't going to break the bank. They need more of those PSV-level players. They need more of that tier, so that for Atlanta United, you have two of the best attackers in the league in Almada and Yakimakis, and you don't have to play Mateus Rossetto or Amar Sedic behind them, two players that maybe nobody else on this show but me has ever heard of before. Like, that's the problem for Major League Soccer. And if they address roster rules and give teams a little bit more flexibility to spend how they want, right in that kind of upper-middle tier of players... I think, I believe this pretty strongly, that is the best way at a macro league level to encourage the fans that are tuning in to watch Messi right now, even in something like the US Open Cup that it's not really on the radar of any sports fan in Major League Soccer outside of the soccer diehards. That's the way to get those people to stick around. I think that is an excellent sentiment to leave this big thing on. Thank you very much, Joe Lowry, for that one. Can I ask uh, Joe one question before we go? I, I am I'm asking, but I'm just gonna do it. Sorry, right? Um, <laughs> J- Joe, so t- like with the people who are just like tuning in to watch Messi, uh, this will be brief. I, I promise. I feel like it goes one of two ways. Like if Messi is terrible and like like is shut down and not able to score, I feel like the response from people who don't really watch soccer are like, "This is your god. This is the guy." But simultaneously, if Messi just destroys everyone and makes it like waltz waltzes through every defense, I feel like. Then the narrative is like, wow, this league is terrible. It's no good. Like, so I feel like is the happy medium that uh, for MLS, like, is MLS's best case scenario that Miami wins the East, makes MLS Cup, and then loses the final? So then it's like, and especially to like St. Yeah. Louis or somebody like that, or maybe a, a team that's been around longer. Uh, I don't know, Sporting KC make a run and end up in MLS <laughs> Cup and then they win it. Is that the best case scenario? Because then we get Messi coming back for more, but he didn't just win it outright, somebody else beat him. There's a scene in The Incredibles where they're telling Dash to like to, yes. to calm it down when he's in the in the hundred meter sprint. Second place, like he second can win place. the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He or he can finish second. Yeah, he go can for do second. well, but not too well. Other, otherwise, people will get <laughs> suspicious. That's messy in MLS, essentially. It's it's beautiful, Graham. I love The Incredibles, a movie I've seen. Well done, and uh, it, it is a perfect illustration. Wow. Taylor, I think you're right. I I don't think MLS can really pay any attention to the people that are saying like. It's rigged, mm-hmm. and Messi is making these league, this league look stupid because some parts of Major League Soccer are kind of stupid, right? There's some really weird parts of this, and the talent level is not as high as anybody would want it to be, believe me. But I think MLS having Inter-Miami go all the way to the final, go, go to MLS Cup, 
they would probably want it to be like LAFC or Seattle because I think yeah. those just will be bigger games for obvious reasons. But if they go and lose to LAFC in the final, you know, at, at Bank of, no, change BMO Stadium, that feels like the ideal for Major League Soccer. Oh, either, either whatever it's called, Joe, parking's expensive. We can all agree we know that. True. That is very. Go, imagine how expensive it is for messy games. Goodness me, I can't even. That's why it's a bank. <laughs> not for much longer though I'm here. Anyway, let's not go there. Uh, Taylor Rockwell, thank you very much for big thinking with us here. Thank you, my friend. Joe Lowry, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much for your insight as always. Right back at you, Ryan. Graham Rutherford, thank you very much, my good man. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. And listener, thank you so much for joining us on this big thing. If you want to chat more about it, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show, and you can join our Discord. We will talk a messy and much more there. But for now, bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.